Welcome, everyone, to an episode of Maybe Next Year. My name is Frank. I'm Scott. I'm Paul. And we're getting right to it. Uh, the Bills drop a game uh, by the score of 9-6 to six to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, I don't even know what the most shocking part of that sentence is. Um, I, I don't know almost what I almost don't know what to say to it. I, I, I will start by this. I think that the wider Bills community is misserved by the fact that Bills and Beers no longer records because if there was a game to be half drunk and talking about on a podcast, good Lord, that would have been good podcasting. Um, and in some ways, thankfully, we waited three or four days to talk about it because I think we'll have obviously our usual more sober, you know, I don't think, I, the, uh, you know, fill in your lipstick on a pig uh, saying here. I don't I don't know there's many ways to dress it up, but I, I don't know that we can get quite as animated as as we probably felt directly after that game. <laughs> um, but, you know, we're going to be able to dig into it a little, um, but it's a real shit show. And let's let's turn to Scott first. Scott, I think this is the this is one of the overarching questions I want to. There are plenty of things to talk about in this game. I think one of the things I'd like you both to address, and you can address it after you've had your say on the game. Does this game represent something bigger that is a real problem with the Bills, or do you think this is just a burn the tape kind of game? And and if you want, you can make that a zero to ten, like zero being burn the tape, don't yeah. worry about it. And ten is, you know, raise all the alarms. Something is really wrong with the Buffalo Bills. But I think that that needs to be. That's obviously been the conversation nationally with the you know the betting Super Bowl favorites and the betting MVP favorite. Um, but I, I'd like your thoughts on that as you dissect this game. Yeah. So, yeah, I would say I have two broad thoughts. I, I feel like Paul usually does a great job of hitting a lot of the the specific things because he cares about this podcast and takes notes during the game. <laughs> and I just kind of drink and watch it. Um, and yes. usually like this one, I was trying to the watch. The joke it, continues um, to be on Paul. Yes. Yep. <laughs> I'm the fool. There is no debating that. Um, he cares about you, the listeners, whereas I really don't. Um, <laughs> I so my broad thoughts, I think, linked to to Frank's question. So. So um, one is, I think there were two problems in this game. One was a, what I would call a um, Jimmy's and Joe's problem to get back on that, that old chestnut. And one was not an X's and O's problem. One was a, um, you know, completely different uh, size of the fight in the dog, not the dog in the fight kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So the first one being, I think obviously the offensive line was a problem. It, it it we've been kind of you know we realized at the beginning of this year that maybe the line wasn't quite as good as it was supposed to be last year that it looked like it was last year maybe because of the difference in the holding calls which obviously we had no shortage of uh, so far this season including on sunday uh now that maybe that line stabilized a little bit with spencer brown kind of taking over pushing daryl williams inside i think that oh we all thought that that was a good uh, a good strategy and it seemed to execute well but then, of course, Spencer Brown comes out. Now we have to rejuggle. Then Feliciano's out. And now we have to juggle some more. And we got Cody Ford in there, who was not horrible, but certainly was not, you know, not not as good as the other five, you know, the other two guys who's replacing. Daryl Williams has a horrific game. Um, and and uh, Ike Becker has a guy I've never been a huge fan of anyway, but he had also another horrific game. 
And the, that was an X's and O's problem because too many. It was thirty percent pressure rate for the Jaguars in this game, which is unacceptable against a team that was, I think, thirty-first in sacks coming into the game. And Josh Allen, the Jaguar, had a great game. Good for him. That leads me to my next point, which was, I would suggest that the Jaguars, from the beginning of the game, said that we are not going to be able to hang with this team if we are playing, I don't want to say like dirty football, but without a physical edge that pushes us into their mental headspace and gets them reacting poorly to things that we are doing. And I think, unfortunately, the Bells went right into it. It was almost immediately that Trey White was getting, that was getting heated up and things were getting a little chippy. And we saw the penalties the rest of the day. And I understand that good teams can win with penalties. That is less about that. It is more about the mindset of the team and that they are now responding to being kind of punched in the mouth that I don't think that they were expecting and a, a type of game that they weren't really preparing for. And then that pushes more pressure onto them to then respond. And unfortunately, it didn't respond well to the pressure. And I would put and like, with all due respect to people who write on The Athletic, I think some of the blame can go on Josh Allen, the yeah. Bills quarterback, because he did not handle that well. There was plenty of opportunities for him to play well in this game, and he, he got six points out of the offense. And that is, that is why we lost the game. The defense obviously played really well. Could they have played perfectly? Maybe. But nine points in an NFL game, that's a good enough job to win. So Josh Allen is part of the offense. And again, some of it is the X's O's. No one was blocking for him. There were, you know, penalties were not just on him. I got it. But the turnovers were on him. And it was him forcing the ball. And again, like he can have a bad game, but given the bigger issues that you know that people have talked about the cover two shell, and maybe some of the teams have figured it out. Maybe we figured out a, a counter by moving him out of the pocket. Whatever the the physical nature and the offensive line problems, those are both things that actually need to get fixed for me to feel better about that team. And I think that's where I go to your point, Frank. Of like those are things that you need to be able to do to win in the league. And you need to be able to block up front, and you need to be able to kind of play with that emotional, physical edge. And Allen talked about it. He said they wanted it more. And yeah. that was very clear. I, to me, that is 100% half, you know, like half the story of the game. That and the, the Jimmys and Joes, X's and O's, like offensive line issues. So I will talk. I think, no, I think that's really telling. And I, and it, it was, it was surprising to hear him say that and surprising to hear that uh, there was a Jaguars player who basically said the same thing. Oh, yeah. And, when you think about McDermott teams, you do think about them being prepared and ready. And I can't imagine that he's very happy with it. I I, I do like the athletic articles that I was reading. I, I, I'm on board with you, Scott, that this, you know, Josh Allen certainly deserves a share of the blame with what's happening. I mean, at the end of the game, he's, you know, trying to throw back across his body when Emmanuel Sanders is right in front of him. But, I mean, it was certainly a systemic failure across the board offensively there were drop passes you know when you're it looks like this cover two shell is here to stay for the bills until they until they learn to beat it and when that happens you can't drop the ball I mean, Cole Bisley he catches everything and so I don't want to beat him up too much for a, a, a an incompletion that goes into his hands because he he catches everything else but the number of times a drive stalled because he hit somebody in the hands was more than once and that's a hard thing to kind of do. One of the telling things, and then I'll turn it over back over to Paul. Um, it's just an interesting tidbit was the entire, the, that, that little graph that tells you like who you expect to win by what percentage. Mm -hmm. um, 
even when the Jacksonville Jaguars were up nine to six, the Bills were 68% likely to win. <laughs> it literally dips for about a minute after, I think, one of the turnovers. And then it goes right back up with one minute and 11 seconds left. They predicted Buffalo had a 63.4% chance to win because because they're talented, because they were like as awful as they played, the defense kept them in that game. And it really felt like, well, you know, we might be talking about a game where this was the worst performance ever. And it's amazing. They just sort of like, you know, were able to roll out of bed with two minutes to play and and steal you, one you, from Jacksonville. You convert, you convert the fourth down and yeah. you get into field goal range or, you know, you break a tackle on a late late reception and it's a touchdown and that's how you win. Right. You're like, Ooh, got away right. with that. Or you just like start forcing the ball to Stefan Diggs a little or, or something. Yeah. I don't know. I'm all for not forcing the ball early to him, but if you continue to be able to do nothing, you know, maybe throwing into double coverage with Stefan Diggs is as good as anything else that's happening right now. I don't know. Um, they certainly didn't move the pocket and, and the, the running game gave them nothing, but I, I have, interjected enough and not allowed Paul in. So I'm going to let Paul in here. Paul, same question to you. I don't think Scott gave us like a number on the zero to 10 scale, but he certainly broke down where his positions are, that there are systemic failures and that there are things individual to this game. Where do you kind of land on that scale and give us your thoughts overall on on this game? Yeah, you guys hit on a lot of great points. And I am sure like Scott, once I get going to forget the scale. So I'm going to immediately call it a six, which as you would of course surmise is more worried than this is just a blip, but also not, yeah, we got some serious problems here. So on the various great points you guys hit, one that Frank talked about the Beasley drop, and you also talked about that last drive and specifically the win percentage, there was a ball that hit Gabe Davis in the hands in stride. And he is getting to at least yeah. with him about maybe the 32 or so he was going to get to at least the 25 yard line. If that's if he couldn't pull away from the guy who was trailing him, if he did, he was going to get in the red zone. And that changes the whole complexion of that drive. So in addition to Beasley's drop, which was huge because that killed that drive, the Davis drop was was even worse because then a couple of plays later, the Bills are in a fourth down situation, fourth and obscene, fourth and 16 or so and could not get out of it. Scott hit so many great points. I think I've got to talk about the offensive line off the bat. Scott mentioned the pressures. So the was it 20 plus 30 plus pressures or 30% of the time, 20 plus pressures. Everyone except Mitch Morse gave up at least one sack and five pressures. I miss the days before the season when we would say, hey, after this year, we can get rid of Morse and Star Lutalele's salaries and bring in guys off the street who are probably going to be at the same performance level and not be screwed. And then we can re-sign the important players without Lutalele and without now Morse on the offensive side. This, I would worry that the lines would just collapse because Deion Dawkins has been incredibly inconsistent this year. He had the COVID bout early, then seemed to rebound with some great performances, even played well against a Washington team that has Mm -hmm. a a good front four. But Sean McDermott said this week, you know, he needs to exhibit more consistency. And and I would agree, the guards need to be uh, blown up. You know, Scott rightfully, I shouldn't say right, well, yeah, he rightfully defended Ford. But I will know Ford was the second best lineman by virtue of being only slightly below average in comparison to rest of the other linemen who were yes. uh, far below average this game. And I think it's fair to say that once the Bills offensive guards are healthy, 
the, the Cody Ford era is, is done. He just has not shown enough. And that really killed this team. And I agree with Scott about the athletic article. I think it was Tim Graham who said it was not, you know, Josh Allen's fault. To me, that second half, there was a lot of Josh Allen problems there. Yeah. The first half, I thought he played fairly well and did not get a lot of support. And what happens sometimes when Josh doesn't get a lot of support? We see that hero ball, Josh. We see that trying to do too much, Josh. Two bad interceptions in the second half. A fumble, a, a turnover on a, what, a third and one QB sneak attempt. A should have been turnover fumble on the last drive if NFL rules weren't stupid. And for some reason, that's called forward progress. That should yeah. have been called a fumble on that. Absolutely. That ended that drive. They which got to ended get there. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, as far as why I would, I noted when and I post listener questions, I've gone from the livid portion that I would have been if we'd podcasted Monday or Sunday to the just straight up pissed. So, you know, that's where I am largely, uh, you know, still pissed off about this game i do worry about you know you guys both mentioned the the cover two shell issues that you know i think the bills could have exposed themselves here because they used this against the chiefs and all of a sudden it was uh, a matter of oh hey this seems to work against mahomes and now it looks like teams have picked that up and you know are using it against allen so it does worry me a little bit how well they respond on an x's and o's basis they can get out of the pocket, as Scott mentioned with Allen. They can do some things to work around that. They can certainly execute better. And I think they have the Jimmys and Joes to, to execute better. And I think that will be a big help toward that end, which is why I'm not absurdly worried. But the problems on the offensive line are not going to go away. Feliciano's out for a couple more weeks. Another injury on that line could be problematic. The opponent's yeah. front fours they're facing with Tampa Bay coming up specifically in mind. You know, they're not going to get get easier. So I think this is, you know, going to be a difficult stretch and the Bills will we're going to learn a lot about the team this week and how they respond to what was the worst performance in probably over three years, at least. Yeah, there was a lot of talk about. I mean, was it football outsiders had said this is the worst performance by a quarterback? Um Right, which is total BS, but it was still it, it's it, their yeah. fucking metrics are all over the place and they can pretend like they're analytics, but they're not. They're just assholes. Um, but but I mean, to the point, like it was it was certainly his worst game in a few years. I had gone back and tried to find like bad Allen games. I had found a few where he hadn't scored a touchdown, either running or throwing, but they are few and far between. Um, there was one last year, but they won that game 18 to 10. It was a, against the Jets it was the sixth field goal game for Tyler Bass. Um, Lars from Bills and Beers had pulled up a handful of games that, you know, McDermott teams do seem to have these November clunkers once or, or twice a year. Um, but really, you have to go back to the first four or five games of Josh Allen's career to have a game that's kind of in this realm. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, you know, when I think about the athletic, I like Joe Bascaglia's article that's like, seemed to be, you know, pretty well, like breaking down the whole thing and looking at it. And yeah, Allen's not getting help here. He can't, you know, to to pair to quote a a famous supermodel, you can't throw the ball and catch the ball. Um, <laughs> you know, so there were definitely some times where it didn't work. But he's missing, you know, he wasn't taking the out routes all the time. Um, Paul, can you say something? Yeah, I would be I would be glad to say something. I mean, there were there were just so many. Yeah, and I agree with you on Joe Piscott. I like Tim okay. Graham's articles for the human interest pieces, but I find his game analyses. 
are not the not the greatest. So yeah, he he's well. I mean, he's comes from the world of columnists, and as does, opposed yes. to as opposed to whatever else. And so that's not to knock at him, but that's not what he's there for. Um, so <clears throat> I think yeah. that the only I think that to answer my own question, I mean, I'm closer to a four on this. I I am certainly not dismissing that there's a problem. I think the cover two shell works. I think it's frustrating for the offense. I think you see when you have a healthier team, there's, you know, Biscaglia points out that Miami split up the cover two shell with other things. Um, and so they were able to exploit that again, you know, on those other types of plays. And then once you kind of get going, um, you know, it changes the complexion of the game. You're not able to sit back like that. But a healthier Bills team probably probably deals with this pressure better. But I think there's still some um, you know, they should have been able to adjust to this. They should have been able to do the same thing and find a playmaker and scheme ways to get the ball into Stefan Diggs's hands. Even if you can't throw it deep, you want to throw a crossing route, you want to get Allen out of the pocket. It's like put the if, if you are struggling with, with talent scheme wise, you have to go to your playmakers and, and they just really haven't forced the issue with him. And I think they kind of need to. And I'm a little, you know fed up that they haven't, especially in a game like this where you just you needed one score. You needed yeah. one more score to put the to win. And and um I remember, the other... remember the Steelers, not to interrupt, remember that Steelers game last year. The Bills were had sleepwalked through almost the entire first half on offense, yeah. took the lead at the end of the first half only because of a Teron Johnson pick six. What do they do when they come out of halftime? Digs, 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 digs. Four straight right. balls there in the end zone. So, and they weren't bombs. None of them were bombs. They were just, let's let's hit him what he's worth till he gets some yards after the catch, and then right. suddenly we'll be in the end zone. Yeah, so the, like that sort of is missing, and I understand that's really hard when the middle of the line is a gaping hole. Um, but you've got to be able to scheme that to something, and you, you've got to be able to... I said during the game, get him out of the pocket, move right, <laughs> move left, do something. Um, anyway, um, I think I, I probably had some other thought on it other than to say that, um, you know, let's not forget what was a really good defensive performance. Um, oh, that was it. I was going to say that the only other thing that gives me confidence here is, you know, Tennessee was down a few people and lost a game against the Jets. And then they sort of did come back and beat good teams when they were healthier. And so I do think that there's some level of it's okay to hide behind your injuries on this game and say, we don't need to read as much into it because I think even one more lineman might've been the difference. If you don't yeah. have to switch people and have Ford and Butker on the line, if you could just add one of those pieces back, it could be enough protection to make it a different kind of game. Yeah. Spencer um, Brown on the outside, you know, Williams back to the right guard position that he seems yeah. more comfortable at this season. That would have made a difference. We didn't talk about the defense. I'll give one. I have two minor critiques. They played very well. You can't criticize the defense for giving up nine points. They didn't get two huge breaks when the uh, Jaguars dropped a sure touchdown in the end zone. That on the, and the next player, too, they immediately fumbled the ball away. Yeah. And then at the end of the game, Dane Jackson, his one snap, uh, his last real play of the game for the, the defense, Dane Jackson just got burned just yeah. burned on his one snap but thankfully the pressure from Tremaine Edmonds caused Lawrence to just uh, pitch it, it far away so those I am, but when those are the two things I'm nitpicking I can't really get on the defense's case I am I, I found out this weekend that I am weirdly related to the person who married Trevor Lawrence hmm. through several marriages but 
I have family that's involved there. So there you go. Uh, we should get to three stars to get out of this game um, because we spent, need to get out of this game. Yeah, because I've this spent could be all, a whole like, podcast on that. game. Well, and that's the problem is like the, the rest of the stuff is all in the lens of this game. So we're only getting sort of away from it. Right. But Scott, if you can, would you like to give us three stars? Yeah, I'm here and I can give uh, three stars. Um, I will give an honorable mention to uh, to Levi Wallace. Um, had a tackle for loss, had a pretty decent game. I thought Edmonds had a decent game. You know, I, and again, the, the Bills defense played what Mario Addison gets the sack, right? Um, so there, there are some good individual performances, but I'll also say there was a fair amount of like, you know, dumb penalties that the defense took that that mm. kind of kept the, let the Jaguars kind of like stay on the field a little bit longer and reduce chances to the offense. That's the other thing that I'll uh, again a small critique for the defense, but not not a big one. Um, so I, I will give uh, the actual third star goes to um, who was I going to give it to? Uh, Stefan Diggs, six catches, oh. 85 yards, and the on the eight targets. Again, uh, a good game. We we is frustrating because we knew that the individual matchups were in the Bills' favor for our wide receivers against their cornerbacks because the Jacksonville's gotten injured in the corner in the secondary. But none of that really matters if you're playing his own defense on some level and you're you're kind of just letting them catch it in front. But Diggs did what he could. He was able to kind of catch up with some catches late. Could have been a different story if we got him in more, as we as we pointed out. Uh, I'm going to give the the second star to. Uh, I'm going to give it to Carlos Hyde, of all people, just because, <laughs> um, you know, he said with, with shock and amazement in his mouth, you know, 3.2 <clears> average <throat> per carry is not normally going to get it done. But when your your opposing running backs are doing 2.7 and 2 yards a carry, um, that that's that's allows them to, again, stay on the field, shorten the game a little bit, and reduce the amount of time that the Bills have the football Um you know, was it enough to swing the whole game? Probably not. But again, this game, I think, was clearly a little bit more about what the Bills were doing or not doing than what the Jacksonville was doing, with the exception of, obviously, the first star, um, the other Josh Allen. Uh, uh, you know, I, wow, I, I another was, first star for Josh Allen. He's just yeah, racking them up, even Josh in these terrible Allen games. Is, this is like, I like our Duke Williams jokes when we have one Duke Williams over the other. I do not like when a rogue Josh Allen takes over our usual Josh Allen first time. I had position. said I was okay with maybe Josh Allen socket sacking Josh Allen once, so then it would be right. the record book. About be kind sacking, of cool. intercepting, <laughs> forcing a fumble, recovering a fumble. Yeah. He, yeah. He, yeah. He, uh, clearly, high, again, like the like I was talking about, the mental edge, the physical edge, the, the coming to play, like this is the last game of the season and the playoffs are on the line. Which on some level, like that's the that's the mentality that you almost kind of need sometimes. You need to play like this game means a lot because the other team might mean a lot to the other team. And the Bills, again, like we're in this unfamiliar position of the Bills having to play like this every week to 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 get ahead and be the favorites in games like this. But yeah, I mean Jacksonville and Josh Allen clearly knew that this was a chance for them to kind of stand up and you know, is their season over? Maybe a little bit, but like, you know, the next season starts now like he's he's not he's a free i don't think he's a free agent or anything coming up um and if he is he's gonna need to make money for himself by putting on a big performance and taking advantage of you know the kind of the um the curiosity of the allen versus allen mashup uh matchup so um obviously yeah he, he played out of his mind and he completely dominated pretty much anyone we put him against 
And even when he wasn't rushing, he was able to obviously impact with the interception. So mm-hmm. um, just, you know, yeah, eight tackles, a sack, two for a loss, pass deflection, interception. Uh, I mean, that's that's star worthy, even if you don't win the game, probably. And also, yeah. if you're not facing a guy with the same name. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, like, this is definitely, yeah, in terms, I would imagine when people look back at the season and, like, great individual performances, this, this I'd imagine this would have to be on your top ten list. Like, I'm sure, yeah. like, other people have had good games, but in terms of having a dominant defensive performance, like, he, to the extent that anyone on Jacksonville won this game for them, obviously it was him. And usually as a defender, you're not in a position to do that. So kudos to him. Obviously, credit, tip your hat. Um, and I look forward to playing him in three years. Um, that'll be it. Yes, hopefully that will be the next time we, I don't know, yeah. he, can, he can go away now. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let me get through these roster moves and the, the injury list uh, kind of quickly. Um, so uh, Justin Zimmer is done for the year. He has a foot problem and he was on season ending injured reserve. Cornerback Cam Lewis has been activated to the main roster to take his place, even though he won't be playing Justin Zimmer's position. Um, Davis Webb was elevated for the game this weekend. That is because um, the MVP is currently down on the COVID list. But up <laughs> from the COVID list is Jake Fromm and Tanner Gentry. Or Gentry, right? I was going to say Yeah, Tanner Gentry, you got it. Yeah, I wanted to say Gentry for a second, but they no longer have the COVID. Um, and we have some injuries. Uh, our injuries list did not practice yesterday. This would be Wednesday's practice. Tremaine Edmonds, Cole Beasley, and Zach Moss, that's a hamstring, ribs, um, and Moss, of course, got a concussion in the game against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Beasley didn't practice very much last week with his ribs, so I'm... And, and he didn't... Pl- I think he had one snap in the fourth quarter, I, I read. It was mainly yes. McKenzie in the slot. He kind of sort of disappeared towards the end of the game, but he was there at the beginning. Um, he was sort of the... Uh, I'm, I remember being really happy with this one third and short where he was the the quick out pattern and they went right to him. And I was like, good, keep doing that because then the, that'll neutralize the rush. And then they didn't keep doing that. Um, <laughs> Teron Johnson uh, and Dawson Knox. Oh, so Dawson Knox is limited with hand, which is a big upgrade from did not practice. Um, he has he, hand. Sorry. He has a hand right. issue. Um, Teron Johnson concussion was limited, but he, he was doing something. And I'm, why am I blinking, blinking on Brown's first name? S. Brown. Spencer. Spencer Brown. Thank you. Spencer um, the back and was Brown. limited. Right. Jaquan Johnson had a hamstring. So we had a lot of people on the list here. We're hurting, you know, and that doesn't include Feliciano, who's on short term IR. Doesn't you know, there's there's names that aren't even on here that are still injured. So um, we'll see how they they come forward. We'd certainly like as many of these people back as we can, um, even though it's the Jets this week, because I I think I said the dumb thing. We said even though it was the Jaguars last week. And uh, I was sort of going, well, if there's a week to take a have a lot of talent missing, it's probably against the Jaguars, which maybe only like a three point nine to six loss bears out because you really still should have won the game. But I think at this point we'd all rather have it. Um, lots of upsets everywhere Jeez. except for the Tennessee Titans. Actually, that was an upset too because they were seven-point yes. underdogs at the Rams. Once Henry went out, they thought, "Up, Titans aren't going to do anything," and then they proceeded to. I think the final was twenty-eight to sixteen, but they mm-hmm. they were twenty-eight to three. I think at one point that was not as close a game as it looked. I think some of the ones that need to be mentioned. I'm just making sure I'm on the correct week, but that's a big one because, of course, yeah. now the Titans are two full games ahead of the Bills um, and have the tiebreaker. So that's that's some serious driver's seat for the Titans and the, and the one seed, even without um, Derrick Henry. The Steelers 
are right back in this. They've scored 29 points against the Lily Bears of all teams, but you know they're in the same record with the Bills. Um, yep. the, the Chiefs beat the Packers without Aaron Rodgers, uh, who was doped up on ivermectin. Um, <laughs> you know the Chargers win, the Ravens win, the Broncos but, beat the Cowboys in, um, in Dallas. In Dallas, the Browns beat the Bengals. That's an upset. Yep. The Patriots stomp the Panthers, who are now just a half game behind Buffalo. Yeah. Um, I, I remember when it was like a runaway with the division, and now it's kind of like, you know, what's going yeah. on? All of a sudden, the Patriots have picked it up. And yeah, I'm sure you're about to mention yeah. Falcon Saints, so I'll shut up. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, I wasn't going to mention Falcon Saints only because it doesn't really affect the Bills, but um, that's certainly a big upset there. And then the, the, the Colts, not really an upset to beat the Jets 45 to 30, but, you know, the Jets score 30 points, the Colts <laughs> pick up another win. This is, you know, the Bills are in no longer at the front of it. They're, the Bills for a long time were, you could tell yourself, well, you're, they're technically fourth, but really they're tied with these other teams that are ahead of them based on some tiebreakers that ought to work themselves out. And and I'd say Buffalo's solidly in fourth now. Like they yeah. are, they are in, it isn't, you know, well, I, like, I'm sure Scott would like to. Let's also be clear, folks. Like the, the, the division is not over. Like, right. Yeah, yeah that's like, what I was getting at that, with the Patriots. Yeah, like that that the concern here is like, yeah, like we've all been kind of like, oh well, you know, they'll 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 turn around. We have this easy schedule coming up where, you know, three cakewalk games and you know, we, you know, the the best team left on the schedule is just the Bucks and everybody else is terrible. Uh this game obviously elegant proof that you can lose to terrible teams and probably need to stop considering the Pats as terrible and we still have to play them twice. Yeah. Um so like this 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 we could be a wild card team if if we don't kind of play hard and get healthy. And I don't know. Obviously, the getting healthy thing you can't fix, but the you know we you have to keep playing all of these games and playing them well and playing them hard. You can't just assume that we're going to win the division because we're the best team. That's not how that works, unfortunately. Yeah, no, they they've dropped some serious. I mean, like this is a seriously stupid game to lose against the. I mean, we haven't didn't really talk about that in the in the game, but like of all the games to lose, like this is you know next to losing to the Jets or the Patriots, this is probably amongst the worst games you can lose. Losing to the Patriots, perhaps a bit more because they're direct competition here. But you know, if they're six and three, and the Patriots are five and four, you know, well now you're a you know a game and a half up on them and. I guess you'd, you'd probably still be going, well, look at the Patriots, but you're not thinking about it the same way as, gosh, you're you're one more stupid game from, you know, not necessarily even winning the division, let alone, you know, vying for a a, a week off. Um, but a lot of those dreams are 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 on hold here. Um, certainly have the Raiders and the Titans left to contend, the, the Titans and the and the Ravens, excuse me, to to really deal with with regards to the the one seed. Um, but, you know, this is definitely first things first time now. I think I think this probably plays very nicely into the process in that we can only control what we can control. So let's go ahead and control it. Um, and then you, Paul also mentions uh, Odell Beckham Jr. no longer in Cleveland. Um, Cleveland, of course, wins the game anyway. Um, but he's a free agent. Looks like he wants to go to the Patriots or possibly the Packers. Yep, I've else? heard the Chiefs in there a little bit too. So we'll yeah. see as of Thursday morning, 11:23 a.m. Eastern time. He's he's still thinking about this. I'm sort of glad that like the Bills are not on this short list because I think he's 
a talented player, and I'm not even that worried about his like quote unquote antics or anything. But I don't really think he is, I don't think he really fixes what's wrong with the Bills. I think you know he's an excellent receiver, and you can always get better at that at that position. But like I think that I think it's a diminishing return. I I don't know how much better he is given what he would fit in and do. I, I think it's a smaller improvement. If there was some sort of lineman that could be available tomorrow that like picks up schemes very quickly, I think I'd be all about it. Or a running back. Like if we could get like a running back who's like, you know, if we could have the Adrian Peterson mold or something and be like, hey, uh, I'm hey. just saying that last week's game, OJ was there, you know. <sighs> well, I think it might be his fault. Um, <laughs> it might be listening up the cube. Anyway, um, did we have listener questions? We did. We had a bunch this week because uh, for once okay. I actually remembered to push out the the announcement. So very good. Kudos I will to go me. to the Twitter page as well, Paul. I'm sorry. And I will help you read these because you also have your big segment after this. All There's right. A lot so, of you, yep. you do the first one and I'll find where we're going from there. All right. I think the first one we have is from our friend uh, David Leary, who asked the very legitimate question. How come games like this ruin my entire week? And yeah, this is, uh, I will say, thankfully for me, this work week has been a nightmare of work. So that is, so I've had that anger to kind of, not anger, but that frustration to kind of drown out this other frustration from the game. But yeah, sometimes during the during the down moments of the week, you think, oh, you know, at least I got the, the, the Bills win to be happy about. I'll have another game Sunday, one well, exciting team to watch. But when you have in, you know, but when your week is not going as planned and the Bills have lost to the Jaguars, you don't have that. You don't have that little upbeatness to fall back on. So then you just get more pissed at the team. Uh, my psychological advice is about 37 cents an hour, by the way, right. for anyone right. who's there you curious. Go. Um, Scott, do you have thoughts on on why this game might have ruined David's week so far? Um, David, uh, should I criticize him or should I just? Should I just not do that? Well, he's down, so I think it'd be natural for you to kick him. Yes. Absolutely. I would say you probably need to reevaluate your life and wonder why it is that you're getting so sung up on a bunch of professional sports players who have no actual real value to your life. About that. Oh, David, it's just because you care. That's all. And one day you'll <laughs> care about more things than football, and you will find that, like, your daughter is sick all week and you don't have the time to be upset about this <laughs> this game too much, you know, and... Um, one thing I do, I like, I honestly, like, I don't tune into WGR like the day after, especially a loss like this, like after the Titans game, I was kind of okay with it. I'm like, all right, like at least they played well, but like after a game like this, where it's potentially a burn the tape game, I don't need everyone's like, cause all that happens is every, all the people who want to be like, see, I can't believe you gave Josh Allen all that money. And it's, you know, these sort of just like, it's just like, it's, it's set up to make you feel like shit. Cause it is a week to week league. And so you know, they want you to experience the roller coaster because then then you're invested. And so part of it is how the product is designed. And so I think, uh, hey, man, take a shower. Not saying you don't shower. You know, take a shower. Wash. I'm off sure the David showers. I believe David showers. I'm just saying take a therapeutic shower. Wash out the stink of the game. Go for a walk. Try and try and find something else to do. You'll be all good. Meditation um, helps. Yeah. Yeah. You know, find your find your Zen. Josh Folan wants to know, do the bills suck now? Or is Todd and Cheek to Waga wrong? Anybody from Cheek to Waga <laughs> is always wrong. <laughs> Which goes no against right. my advice is Todd and Cheek to Waga is never wrong. Oh. I was actually, fun fact, I spent the first six years of my life in Cheek to Waga right by the airport. Mm -hmm. uh, so we had one of those houses that would shake. It was small, so it would shake a little bit every time a plane went by. 
Oh, the memories. Oh, talk to yeah. You did say Todd and Chikawaga is never wrong, um, but I guess that means you agree the Bills suck now. <laughs> they they don't. I gave it what a six out of ten on the yeah. do they actually suck scale. So I, I I don't think they they suck now, but I do feel that uh, yeah we 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 got some issues. They, they, we we need some we need some uh, reassurance against the Jets this week that they do not suck. I think, I think now is a relative term, right? Now being whenever he sent that tweet is probably right. It was a day ago. I might have been like, yeah, they suck. Yeah. Um, El super super Mexican on Twitter. I'm not going to read this tweet and I'm not even mad that you wrote it, but it, it's a, it's a suicide kind of joke. It's like about opening veins and Paul very nicely like responded in joke tone with you um, on the tweet. I just, I feel a little awkward about reading that on a podcast that then that is then memorialized. So I'm not, jumping on you for making the joke i'm i'm a big um believer in a big tent for jokes i just i'm i'm a little squeamish about reading it here but yeah, we did get enough. it is that okay i like yeah. I, I i definitely am just trying to walk the line of like i'm not going to be a shit about it i'm just going to be like we're going to move on we're going to acknowledge it and and i'm glad you're interacting with us on twitter right um, and we and we know like i i will take the level of inappropriateness to all sorts of spots so you guys can you know keep your important government jobs yeah. while I work here in the private sector. Right. Answer I will too. I just, there's, there's just times where I'm like, you know, I, my lawyer brain kicks in and I'm like, let's just, let's just, you know, I'm older now. I'm an old man. Um, anyway, uh, Jesmond, why do I get so excited at the start of every season only to be let down by every sports team I support? <laughs> it's because you're not a Braves fan apparently this year. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, I don't know. Pick better. Yeah, boy, Braves win the World Series. Michael A. Taylor wins a gold glove while Victor Robles spends half the year in the minors. This has not been a a good season for two-thirds of this baseball Michael A. Taylor. I wanted Michael A. Taylor gone from, like, the second time I saw him. And there he is winning a gold glove. Um, Do you have any thoughts for Jesmond as to why he gets excited and then fails, Scott? You know, his first sports teams fail. Again, he should not care as much about sports. Yep. George, say, say a group of people who are on their 10th season of doing a podcast. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. About right. Absolutely. Teams. Yeah. But we're only here it. because we don't burn ourselves out. We don't. <laughs> um, George, do you th- this is like. There's nothing better than, than a podcast by three guys who don't care about the football team. They're talking about. <laughs> we can Well, it's funny because I'm saying I, I didn't want to read the, the suicide thing, but I'm about to make a joke. Like it's kind of like Bill's anonymous for us. In that, like, we get together once a week, we talk about the feelings we have so that we don't get overly invested in it. And then we we still fail anyway. Um, George wants to know, uh, do you think this loss will serve as a clear rethink of expectations within the team and allow the team to properly reassess this performance and past performances this season to resolve issues and push on without a chip on their shoulder. Oh, that was a good question. That was not, nothing against the other questions, but this one is, yeah, spot on. Yes. Now we're, we, we're sort of moving on from like the, the, the feelings and we're in, we're closer to acceptance now. Um, this might even be a bit of bargaining. George, I think it's a really insightful question. I think that in that building, they probably already don't view success and failure the way we do right so i think this game probably serves to refocus a lot of what you're talking about like you know i don't think anybody's walking around with a chip on their shoulder or thinks that like hey we need to reevaluate what the expectations are because i think the expectations are always we are a good enough team 
to win. And I don't think that can change. I don't think they can rightly say, well, we lost to the Jags. We are no longer a good enough team to win. I think they just sort of say, like, how come we didn't win? How do we refocus here to prepare to win? And I think a lot of that needs to be, you know, readjusting how they do it. But I think the goals and um, the performances stay the same because they probably they don't sound like they linger on wins or losses very long. They sound like they they take what they can from them and then they are immediately on to the next project. Um, have I said anything wrong, gentlemen? No, I, I wouldn't say anything wrong at all. I like I like George's observation about the chip on the shoulder because for yes. years this team played with the whole, hey, you know, everyone here has been cut or fired or didn't get a scholarship. This is their second job. No one's believed in you. The world doesn't believe in you. And that narrative is is done now. They are still, after a ridiculous loss to the Jaguars, I believe the best odds as far as the Super Bowl favorite goes. Josh Allen is still a betting favorite for MVP after certainly not a good performance yeah. on Sunday. So the chip on the shoulder thing is is over. Now they have to just understand like we are a good we are a Super Bowl favorite still because we have a lot of talent and we're a good team. What we and yeah, I think they can properly reassess this performance in the past performance. And one thing that, you know, will be very clear is they after previous losses, like after the Steelers said, we're not worried about this, you know, we'll be fine. And they were. And then after the Titans, they were they were saying like, yeah, just a play here, play there. Our defense needs to play a little better and, you know, we'll be fine. After this one, there was none of that. It was just they pretty much shut up and got focused. So we'll see if that leads to good things or not on Sunday. Yeah, I think it's just as simple as. You know, I think of those two things that I mentioned earlier, you know, the, the injuries are the injuries. You can't do much with those. Um, and, and some of the X's and O's stuff you can you can kind of scheme your way out of or you can't. That's a that's a that's a coaching and players issue. I think hopefully the mental thing is they do go into the next game with an understanding that like now the people might say, like, look how the Jaguars treated them. And they the Jaguars able to kind of bring them down to their level and get a win. So that's what we got to do. And everyone's going to keep doing that until we show that we are kind of both physically and mentally tough enough to win that kind of game um, when things aren't going that well and, and you're getting kind of pushed around on the field a little bit. I think that that said, I think we have the players to do that. I think a part of it is also Feliciano being out, not just because he is obviously physically a good offensive lineman, but obviously is a big part of our kind of mentally tough and like willing to get in a guy's face and, and take a personal foul early on to make the clear point, like, you're not going to shove us around like that. Um, but without him there, and Spencer Brown on some level, who is also kind of that guy, but maybe just a rookie and still not quite there yet. Um, th- those are the guys who are setting the tone for that kind of stuff. Without them there, that is also part of the problem, I think. Uh, brilliant, I think. And that's good. That leads into Mark's question. I want to say briefly before we get to Mark, though, we didn't really talk about the officiating on Sunday. It was terrible. Oh, yeah. Um, and so no, not, no, no real effect on the, the outcome and that the Bills were going to lose that game, I think, anyway. But yeah, I, yeah, I think a more cleanly called game would have ended the same way, maybe. But it it was it was pretty brutal. Um, so, you know, but anyway, um, Mark has a, a question in the comment and I'll read that and then we'll move on to this day in Bill's headlines. <laughs> this game really highlighted the need for a stronger offensive line and run game. Getting Spencer Brown and Feliciano back won't fix it at fix everything. So what can the Bills do to finish strong the second half of the season and ask Josh, asking Josh to do everything is not a viable option. He also says not to get you guys worried, but I had a dream last night. The Bills versus Jets started off 5 nothing. 
after Allen was sacked for a safety. Then they went on to lose 39 to 14. I hope it was just a dream. So Mark makes his first bold prediction of the season. He is zero and zero all time on the podcast. We will see uh, how Mark's dream world. Um, if he is com- right about that one, though, we're going after Mark. Yeah, then he's going to be on the. He's going to so be. We're going to ask him about his dreams every night. Because yeah, he's going to be on the those, show next week. Yeah, yeah those are not <laughs> um, dreams. Those are spoilers. Then. Yeah. Right. Okay, Paul. Um, <laughs> this is this is a this is a great question, um, and I don't really know the answer directly. I think we talked a little bit about it in the context of this game, or I did. I mean, obviously, they're going to have to. I would imagine they have other things in in the offensive playbook that can help. One of the things that bothers me when people were sort of like complaining about Brian Dable's play calling, which I'm sure you, certainly the adjustments weren't there this week, but whoever you were want to replace him with, if you wanted to replace him in the middle of this year, you're still using Brian Dable's playbook because that's the offense that got installed this year. So it's not like you're going to bring in like a whole bunch of, you, you can't really go in and do a bunch of stuff, whole cloth that you haven't worked on this year. Like it's all timing and all, repetition so you know it's a matter of this week saying you know i think mark some of what it is at least my answer is at least in the interim is we need to scheme open stefan diggs we need to scheme into some long runs we have to commit to it that this is going to happen i think you're right i think that you know the threat of the running game in this type of game if your offensive line isn't going to be if your offensive line is fully formed i am all about josh allen throwing the ball 35 to 40 times as we've talked about and you know having about you know 20 something runs a game and having a balance that is pass heavy because i think if you can keep him upright that is still the best weapon but if they're just going to come up the middle then you need to have a, you know, a misdirection or some sort of draw or some sort of screen that's going to work. And that's how you're going to have to get those things. You're going to have to learn to get comfortable with the shorter game until you can make them take the lid off. And, you know, that's a that's a lot easier said than done. Um, but I think that's that is where it lies is, you know, you beat the cover two shell by f- showing them that you can run the ball and you can get seven or eight. If you, everyone's back, then. You know, you can get six, seven, eight yards at a, at a chunk, and and right now the Bills aren't doing that, so that's what they that's what they need to do, as far as I'm concerned. I think those are good points. I think I will also say I agree. We can't fix everything, um, and I don't think that we need to give off give up on either Zach Moss or Devin Singletary. But there's nothing. There are no shortage of running backs that come out of college every year, and that yeah. never really get a chance in the pros. And even though, you know, we don't want to like, there's nothing wrong with bringing a couple of those guys in and just kind of seeing how they deal with the playbook, how well they understand the offense, maybe giving them a look on the practice squad to see how they're running. There's, uh, it, it, there's, there's literally hundreds of, of running backs every year like that, um, who are, who are, are probably not all that dissimilar from what Singletary and Moss have shown to be to this point, which yeah. are, replacement level NFL running back. I don't think either one of them is staying in Buffalo long term. I think Moss might be here next year because he's still under contract. But I think I think Singletary is basically coming up on his. And I don't see any reason that they'd keep him. And also not a bad week for Matt Breida to show up, by the way. I'm guessing he's going to get his chances, too. I was going to raise that in the context, too, of where's Dable was always great with the jet sweep motion. I feel like that's they've gone away from that a bit. And you have this Matt Breida option. If Matt is anything, he's very fast. So, Mm -hmm. you know, that's a good area to put him in. You get McKenzie in that role, though McKenzie might have to play a little more in the slot if Beasley's ribs are still bothering him. 
And the other thing is we see so much creativity from Brian Dable sometimes. And I feel like if it's a game against a team they feel they should beat, we lose some of that creativity. We did not have, you know, wide receivers throwing passes. We did not have flea flickers. We did not have, you know, some of the random things he will throw at you. And I think just because you're supposed to beat an opponent doesn't mean you shouldn't be creative. He was told there was one time he watched a college football game and thought, oh, the Bills could use uh, could use this play. This was really cool. Dude, that creativity is is lacking. Don't feel like you're burning your playbook going through those each. Especially by the second half, because. Right. You, you can, can come up your... with 17 trick plays a season. It's not that difficult. Well, and, and if you're saving them for the big games, you got to win the little games to get yep. to the big games. So, you know. All right. Well, let's go on to this day in Bill's headlines. Thank you to the listeners for their questions and comments, as always. Um, and let's see if we can nail some headlines. All right. With this day is, of course, November 11th. Happy Veterans Day, everyone. And we have eight headlines to go through this week. So some are easy, some are hard. Into it we go. So we're going to go back to 2019. Blank sets Bill's record in loss. Buffalo wide receiver Blank caught five balls for 77 yards and has now caught at least four passes for 50 yards or more in nine straight games, a team record. He was previously tied with Andre Reid. Just don't. You, you can jump in with answers if you want. Smoke Brown. Smoke Brown. Good job, Scott. All right. 2018. Bills call up wide receiver blank. Blank was an undrafted rookie who made Buffalo's 53-man roster at the beginning of the season, but had trouble delivering consistent production as a field-stretching speed receiver earlier this season. 2018. Yep. Speed receiver. So, not so 2018 was Benjamin, obviously not, and Zay Jones. And is it? Oh, no, it's. Oh, God, this is the guy I always forget. We've had like five questions answers with him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Deontay I mean, Thompson? No, no, I, but he's a good guess. Yeah. Uh, I will say, I'll give the hint that when he came up from the practice squad this time, he was then very much uh, an appropriate field stretching speed receiver. He had multiple hundred yard games with the Bills. We thought he was a big part of the future. Spoiler alert, he was not. Right. But. Hmm. Did he go to Cleveland? Uh, I don't know where. He went to Washington for a while. I think he's oh. on some practice squad. So he went to Green Bay for a while. I'll give the college because Scott will certainly get it then, I would imagine, which is Alabama. Uh, oh, 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 yeah. Oh, fudge. Um, he's now with the Dallas Cowboys, apparently. Yeah. Um, it's not Calvin Ridley or Julio Jones or... <laughs> But it's it is. It is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Calvin Johnson. It's, you know. <laughs> no, those are both Alabama wide receivers from oh, the last okay. five. Years. I, I'm oh, looking right. At, I'm looking at his name now, so I won't say it. I, yeah, I don't. I don't got it. Don't All got right, it. Frank. Do you care to read what you have? Yeah, I'm up? reading the name Robert Foster. Robert which is Foster. So yeah. annoying. Yeah. All right, we're gonna get back on track. I bet Deontay Thompson was on the team in 2018 as a wide receiver. Who knows? That, makes me that I guessed another forgettable wide receiver i feel turn. like thompson was on the roster pretty much every other year between 2014 2018 so he might yes. have been that year he might not have been all right we'll get back on track here 2017 blank's impact could be felt by other bills receivers 
If the Saints decide to pay extra attention to blank, that should help open things up for fellow receivers. Here you go, Frank. Jordan Matthews, Andre Holmes, Deontay Thompson, and Brandon Tate, as well as for tight end Charles Clay. 2017. So this is this is being in McDermott's first year, right? Yep. Give us the names again. I said the names Matthews, Andre Holmes, Deontay Thompson, Brandon Tate, and Charles Clay. So you know it's not any of those guys. I it's I think it's got to be Benjamin or it Jones. Is, it is indeed Calvin Benjamin. Calvin Benjamin, yeah. All right. Uh, this one will be a good test of your memory banks. Uh, 2015, Geno Smith not surprised or offended by Rex Ryan making blank captain. I.K. Empanala. I.K., yes. Good job. And good job on his last name. That's equally as impressive. All right. 2011. Bills blank likely to play left tackle on Sunday. If I had to guess right now, I'd say that's over a 50% chance that he'll play left tackle. We're still holding out hope for Chris Hairston, but I think that'll probably be the way it is at least to start the game. Um, So this is a guy who played guard for four seasons with the Bills. He did, in fact, get pressed into duty as a left tackle and center in 2011. Um, and Urban. good guess. Not He's the one of the guys who played everywhere. This was a very uh, durable guy. First eight seasons of the NFL, first four of which were with the Bills. He started all 16 games every year. Uh, is it Andy Lavitra? Andy Lavitra, nicely hey. done, Scott. All right, <laughs> three to go. <laughs> I this one you might get immediately. We'll see. Blank. Hurts leg in first practice with Buffalo Bills. What year? 2010. So blank missed practice on Thursday after suffering a lower leg injury during Wednesday's session. Gailey announced after practice Thursday that blank strained an Achilles. He, he has an Achilles. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably exactly what he said. This player had been known for Achilles injuries. This was actually considered a Big signing that ended up being a very meh signing. Uh, Sean Merriman? Sean Merriman is correct. Okay. He did not, in fact, play that. I was just going to start going down the big name names of big players who didn't do very much here. So Right. That is his example A. He, yeah. he did okay. All right. This is the one I, whenever we podcast on Veterans Day, this will always be one. Uh, Sames and blank will be honored Sunday. Former Buffalo Bills George Sames and Blank will be inducted to the team's Wall of Fame and ceremonies before the 1 p.m. kickoff of Sunday's game against the Bears. Sames was a safety who earned All-American Football League honors five times and is a member of the AFL All-Time Team, the Buffalo Bills Wall of Fame, the Greater Buffalo Sports Hall of Fame. Blank was a starting guard for the Bills in 1968. He played the entire season was the Bills Team Rookie of the Year. He later joined the U.S. Army as an officer and was killed in the Vietnam War. He was the last NFL player to be killed while serving as a soldier in a war until 2004 when Pat Tillman was killed in Afghanistan. Well, I don't remember his name, so I apologize, and I would be happy to learn it again and thank him for his service. remember this one? Uh, No, I'm not sure that I do. Uh, it's the great uh, Bob Kalsu. So uh, yes. uh, that's right. Sorry. Yes, so, no, I should have known that. That's Bob, we pay tribute to you on Veterans Day today. Uh, and all veterans. Yes. Right. Unlike OJ, we expect your name will remain on the Wall of Fame once they build the new stadium. Yes. So. All right. The last one. I'm going to give you two two bites at the apple here on this one. 1990, 
going back mm-hmm. 31 years, Bills roll over Cardinals. Buffalo left little doubt about this one in a 45 to 14 win in Rich Stadium. The Cardinals were hit by practically everyone on the Bills' offense over the course of 60 minutes. Jim Kelly threw three touchdowns in the second quarter alone. Did Andre Reid or James Lofton get any of them? Nope. As blank, Butch Roll and Steve Tasker had possession of the ball in the end zone. Damn, Butch Roll and Steve Tasker. I was going to guess Steve Tasker. Yep. So, so who's left? This is 1990? Yep. And look okay. at, uh, I would say, look at receiving positions, either the receiver or tight end. Because well, I'm going to start with Don Beebe. Beebe's a good guess. Not correct. All right. Then I'm going to say Pete Metzelars. Uh, excellent guess, but also incorrect. <laughs> um, Keith McKellar? Keith McKellar. There we go. Yes. The man for whom the K-Gun offense is named. And we'll end it with this one that's a little tougher from the same game. The Cardinals closed to within seven points in the third quarter. The Bills then came up with 24 unanswered points in the fourth quarter to establish dominance. Uh, Don Beebe scored on a touchdown pass from Kelly, while Blank and Kenneth Davis ran in for scores. Thurman Thomas? Not Thurman. That'd be too easy. <laughs> well, I don't know. But no, it's the right, it was the right decision. Because if it was Thurman, you guys guessed everyone under the sun but Thurman. I would have mocked you. So that was definitely the right call. Uh, Kenneth Davis, who was the fullback? The fullback is the correct answer, if you can, oh, you can remember God. it. 19. It is the fullback re- replaced. He was replaced by Carwell Gardner, but he was the fullback from like 87 to 91 or so. Nancy Reagan. Ah, uh, mm. yes. Just say no. Just say no to Carwell Gardner is what this player would have said because he lost his job to Carwell. All right, since we're struggling on this yeah, one. Yeah, not going to get this one. Correct answer is Jamie Mueller. Mueller, that's right. Jamie Mueller, and that was this day in Bill's headlines for Veterans Day, November 11th. Not so bad. Uh, we did reasonably well on what is routinely the best segment in all of Buffalo Bills podcast. Oh, the Bills are 13 and a half point favorites. So uh, Vegas doesn't think that the money needs to move. Vegas thinks that it's a good idea that that the, the Bills are going to win. Um now, maybe they have some machinations by how much the Bills are going to win. And the money is all, um, it seems to be going on the Bills to cover. So most of America thinks that, you know, once is a once is an accident. And we'll see if they think twice is a coincidence if, if Mark's score comes true. But the Jets have moved the ball and scored points. Uh, we are facing the terror of the AFC East, Mike White, um, at quarterback. Um so they have some things that they do well, but they've won two games. Um, and and overall, the Bills are, you know, it looks like, uh, you know, looks like they're they're meant to cover the spread this week. And of course, you have um, the X factor, which is angry Bills, angry Josh Allen, and probably really angry Sean McDermott. So I cannot imagine that they will go into this game and tolerate any sort of repeat performance. Um Based on last week, I think they will come in absolutely mud stomping um, or attempting to. And we will see what the Jets do to them and what their what their uh, abilities to to do the cover cover. I'm guessing we'll see the shell cover, too. Um, we'll see if the Jets can manage that. Um, I like to pick the pills. I'd like to pick the bills in, a, in, in some sort of uh, lower than score than you'd think. But but kind of handy, like I think this could be like another. 18 to 10 or 21 to, to 14 kind of game. Like a, we're, I think we're talking a one score game. I don't think the bills necessarily cover, but I do think Buffalo can win. I, I'm sort of just not ready to punt on them as a team. Um, I'm ready to kind of experience them 
kind of they, they bounce back well. They they don't have a lot of multiple game losses in a row where it matters anymore, especially against lower quality teams. So I don't know. I think all many of those things still matter, and I think that you know Buffalo is sort of um, in in the right position. They should win this game. So I'm I'm ready to pick them. Um, Scott, do you have any thoughts? And then we'll go to Paul, and then we're out of here. Yeah, I'm. I mean, I'm. I'm definitely. You know, not. I'm. I'm worried about this game. I, I think the Bills are still going to win. Um, I think. You know, something like Teron Johnson. Like, is he ready to go? Because, like, obviously the Jets have found a lot of success with throwing the ball all over the field. They like Elijah Moore. Obviously, you got Crowder out there. Um, Corey Davis is, I guess, is questionable right now. Um, so we'll see how banged up the Jets are as well. Um, I think. I think I'm comfortable picking the Bills to win, and I think it, I think they're going to cover, but it's going to be close. I think it'll be probably in the neighborhood of, yeah, it's going to be a little rougher than we'd like. So I'll put it at literally like 28-14. Like it's it's just over the line of covering. I think maybe we get a touchdown late. I don't think we're going to run away from them. But yeah, I, I assume it's going to be a very tough week at practice for the Bills, and that that uh, that's going to be. Um, improve their focus and hopefully their kind of, um, you know, their edge going into the game. So I, I hopefully, yeah, I mean, it's a big game. I mean, it's a division game. I mean, obviously we're 2-0 in the division right now, but we don't know what's going to happen with the Pats. So we really need that third win to make sure that we're kind of headed in on the right foot into those games. Because yeah. if we lose this game, boy, boy, it gets real, real dark, real fast if we lose yeah. this game. Well, real. I think last week is a great reminder that you only play 17 now, and they're all big games when you only play 17. There aren't <laughs> yeah. really many that you yeah. can afford to drop. So, uh, Paul, what do you think? Yeah, the, the reporting backs what Scott was saying. The reports have said that the Bills price has been very businesslike this week. There is no dancing. In Sean McDermott's presser yesterday, he was much more candid, not not condescending, not angry, but certainly much uh, more straightforward about things and, and it seemed to be much more uh focused if you will now everyone's going to say that after a loss of this type i think the bills will be focused i think they still have some issues to clean up though i think the jets are going to take advantage of some things they are on the road against the jets where new york is two and one and i know it's metlife stadium but i will always call it the meadowlands uh, Mm -hmm. for the rest of my life so they are two and one there this season Scott pointed out this is a division game. Division games are often tough. The Bills barely won in New York last year when the Jets were a worse team, far worse team, I think, than they are this season. Jets have already beaten the Titans. So I do think the Bills win this game. I think it's going to be a one-score game. Uh, Like Frank, I have this pegged at 24 to 17, uh, but I think they're going to respond well. Still some things to clean up. Still some injuries will probably hurt them in some ways but I think they're going to play all in all much better game, especially offensively. I think one of the nice things about practice this week is probably that it's not a matter of the coaching staff is coming down on the players. I'm guessing the players showed up wanting to just get it, get work done. Right. No more screwing around. (laughs) I, I, you know, and I'm sure they didn't even think they, I'm sure they weren't even screwing around last week. Right. Hey, I disappeared. You did. Yeah. Sorry. I, no, my, was all right. for some reason, 
Skype restarted, so I'm going to finish this now. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. We really appreciate it. You can find us mnybills on twitter.com. That that one. Um, <laughs> you go to the Twitter machine and go to their website and and find us there and and then send letters and words to us and we'll, we might respond. Uh, you can also bbillsmny at gmail.com. But really, just look for the podcast. Find us. Share us. We're happy to be the longest running podcast in Bill's history, in human history. And um, that's awesome. Thank you so much for listening. And I'm going to I'm going to say good say goodbye. And Scott and Paul, you guys say goodbye. Bye. Bye. See you next week. Bye.